Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Interested to hear about what happened to Cassie. At the weekend. Also, I got a smear test today. How a quick oh, reminder. Joyful. Get your smears. Must get your smear fully in. fingered. I didn't. Re- I didn't know how, that you're supposed to get fingered beforehand. You're not, Jen. Well, I was. Okay, yes, I was. I checked to make sure that that a glove was worn, and it was. That was fine. Okay. It's fingered. Was that bad? Do you think I was just fingered? Do you think something happened to me? No. Have I been assaulted? <laughs> I don't know. How do we go anywhere consented. from here? Creep of the week. Um, so I was uh, just chilling at home on Saturday, not feeling the best. And turned out there was a gas leak in our house. So carbon we monoxide. Finally, carbon monoxide. Silent killer, finally. Yeah, in our own finally. little home. Well... You must have now decided that you're going to need to get an alarm. We have a carbon monoxide alarm, though. That's the thing. That's the concerning thing. Are you testing it regularly with a broom handle? No. You must do that. I will try to Stick the that. broom handle into the button. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's above. I think our only saving grace is that not only is the boiler, was the boiler leaking and broken, was that just above the boiler is the access to our attic, which is also broken. So it doesn't Full of ghosts. So it doesn't close. So I think the gas was just like going out the boiler, up into the attic and then just into the bedroom and up the attic. So downstairs, everything was completely fine. Here's a question about carbon monoxide. How how dense is it? Does carbon monoxide like float or sink? Mm. I think it floats. Ah, yeah, I think. So if you if you if you had fear that your house was full of carbon monoxide, Go Ghost downstairs. Everywhere, you'd hit the you drop, stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. But because, as we said, silent killer, it can be very difficult. Well, look, I survived. I lived to tell the tale. 
It's quite a boring near-death experience, really. Well, it's, it's no, the it's way you tell perfect them. because it's, just it's so low COVID-y. stakes. Mm. And that's all we can cope with. Like, none of us can cope with bigger fucking peril than what no. we're already living in. Yeah, just exactly. You need know, a I'm close glad to they... fucking tears and nothing's even happened. <laughs> Sophie, I nearly died. <laughs> well, I'm close to tears because you nearly died tears. Then, evidently. <laughs> Lads, I got stung by a jellyfish. If you listen to Mother of Pod, you'll know all about it. Wrapped <laughs> around my throat. What? Yep. I'll say no more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear the full story, you know what to do. Head right? on over. It's pay us the monies. So did we all just, hey. we all just nearly died this week. <laughs> we so I'm just going to assume misses. something happened to you that was near death and a theme has emerged. Mm. Look, we can't go any further without highlighting who the creep of the week is. Well, do you have one in mind? Hell, yeah. Da- hell yeah. Ever heard of a little guy called Michael Cullen? Bald like an egg, teeth bought in Hungary. Yeah. <laughs> Vaccinating his teachers. It's the worst ever. Isn't, isn't it? it? It's just, it's like just another, like, oh, are you even, I'm not, not even surprised enough. at this point in time. Do you know? I'm just like, oh yeah, that's another way for the world to just be mean and polarizing and awful. Just vaccinate the rich or mm. the friends of the rich to because benefit that is the public rich. public property. Those vaccines belong to the public. They don't belong to the beacon. You know what I mean? And, the pri- and his private stash. It's a complete outrage is what it is. And I'm just, I'm, it's desperate. It is. And I'm sick of it these. It couldn't be worse. But I'm sick of these excuses of right oh inside scoop so my mother is a frontline worker she assesses families for fostering for children if anybody is interested in fostering do check out fostering first ireland and they um she needs to get back out and be able to go meet the families and and see because they haven't been able to do that all year so um they were being vaccinated and we're due in to get vaccinated in the beacon last week and at the very last minute got notice to go to a small boy called hugo <laughs> slipped in ahead of them and said I need five yeah, I need five vaccinations just to be sure yeah so they just got to moved sure. to the they got moved to the Aviva but I think Jesus. it was after the scandal they're not vaccinating in the beacon anymore well they've they've taken them all back off them good good for I don't know good for anyone anymore that is thought was extremely bad form obviously and um creep of the week I'm gonna hang that Sa- that sash around that gentleman's body with Award pride. This sash, mm-hmm. I yep. love it. I when love I it. cycle and take a whittle against his wall this evening with my shiwi, with pride, <laughs> and no one will I suspect have, um, a thing. I Hell have no. like a former creep of the week gets just dessert. Hell yeah. This might actually prove to be quite an evil way to have described this, but how and ever, I'll carry on. Do we remember the woman who beheaded an owl last summer? <laughs> how could I forget this? I fucking don't. 
I don't remember either. Did I not speak this out loud to you guys? I Maybe feel like, like I would have long I would have logged this. Oh well, I, this is exactly bank. the kind of thing that I have that I block from my memory immediately after ah. we record. So I'm no use to okay. you. Okay. Quick retail, so quick retail. Are you sure? Because I think I did a really bad job of pronouncing her name then as well. Okay. Anyway, okay. my one. It's a safe Aldana, space. Okay. Um, last June, earned herself uh, the dubious title of owl killer. Um, very very hard to run down an owl it's (laughs) it really is so I mean it really is she basically beheaded a white barn owl in a video that was then widely shared across Latin America okay you're we're going to need way more details Maybe so, it didn't make it to our shores or the creep dive as an original creep of the week. Maybe I, I would have did. remembered this woman. There is no question. Her, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, we need more details. Why? How big was the owl? What way did she do it? Um, it was, yes, hang on. I need to find the... Um, I need to find the video of the owl because all I have is this still of her looking like, Wah, I just beheaded an owl. Um, Share the screen for the love of God. <laughs> Actually, look where it is. It's in this it's little right magazine. <laughs> just, just I've just been enjoying my, um, my latest issue of True Crime Detective Monthly. <laughs> Is that a fucking real magazine? Yeah. <laughs> that looks exactly like the it's kind of thing I would enjoy. It's basically my version of chat. They look very similar. <gasps> yes. Very, oh very similar. Oh my god. So that, incredibly that probably more incest in this one. So anyway, yeah. So people were extremely enraged about the... Um, about the... Uh, the owl killing and um i have her up now here the fucking weapon now in the still i have she's frankly delighted with herself yes um, I think she's wearing like i'm seeing as well fancy athleisure gear and she's holding the head it's all a little out of focus but the eye appears to be open of the head in one hand body in the other yeah i mean we're talking like cheese and owl head in one hand headless body in the other oh gosh Um, yeah so she basically the the update on this creep of the week is that she was actually shot dead shot fucking dead Jesus Christ on purpose I mean sorry sorry go on no no I just stopped speaking (laughs) I just I just stopped speaking in a weird way (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just stopped. I'll do it again. (laughs) Okay, so basically there isn't yet any confirmation that this is retribution. But Reddit being, as always, the lovely, charming place that it is, has had forums uh, of of people discussing Mm. revenge on the owl killer. And... (sighs) 
Um, so nobody has made comment on whether this is definitely the motive for her death. So her her death was two men on a motorbike arrived outside her home at, at like early evening, shot six, sorry, six shots fired at her and then sped off. So it was like too far drive by. Um, she was dead before they even got her to the hospital. She had been questioned by Colombian police about the owl, owl killing. killing. Um, and there had been an investigation ongoing about animal abuse, suspected animal abuse on her part because of the video that had circulated. And like I said, people on social media had made threats against her. Um, and that is a bonkers story. It is bonkers, isn't it? Did you happen to watch the video at any point? Would you believe I said, let's not, so. Let's yeah. not. Oh, so here's my question. It's rare now that I would do a let's not, but I said let's not. I won't. Um, and say I, yes. I, I think. Don't. Uh, my question is that was she just. But definitely on Reddit, they think the it was a vigilante group. I get a pro owl vigilante group. Yeah, or a big owl maybe behind it. Yeah. Big owl. Yes. For well, fucking hell! What a terrible, terrible woman to do that. And um, but not deserving a death i think no overreaction on, on i mean an eye, for, an eye for an eye an owl for an owl doesn't an owl uh, for an eye i i don't know here's my question i just wonder did she actually kill the owl or did she decapitate an already dead owl no because it's catching is. one so i have a quote here that is aldana created a video in which she beheaded a living barn owl and posted the clip on social media um, earning her moniker the owl killer and obviously she posed with the body um, of the owl in multiple poses you got to get the angles wearing it as a hat yes yes um (laughs) sorry sorry Um, I know what I do not if this is sorry just as a lot in a light-hearted way I take off all my clothes and I position them on the ground and then I put the owl's head on top as if the owl was wearing my clothes <laughs> and do some kind of a TikTok where, you know, to a song that made it anyway. You know what I'm saying? But I know the, what you're saying. I think but I am sad. is a, there's no winners in this story. No. Only dead owls and dead people. Dead owls and dead women. She was Death very young around. as well. Oh dear, how young was she? Early 20s. I mean, it's what, you know, just think in your mind, what age was I most likely to behead an owl for a video clip? 21. 21. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's my creep, creep cap, creep, creep up. Yeah. Creep cap. Thank you. I'm. So if you, if you feel you've heard that before, please tell me, I can't believe that I would not bank that. Yeah, now uh, I'm starting to very much doubt myself. I'm like, maybe I never did talk about the beheading of the owl. Do you know what I've been finding right. myself doing lately? Getting coming, coming back to old stories that initially I was like, I can't say that when we were in the very early days of the creep dive. And uh, I'm just, I'm going right there now. There's just no, there's no Jen, standards. That is a lie. You started <laughs> out there. 
I can't remember. No, you definitely managed to try and bring you in by fraction. Like I see. I see. I never think I was improving with Jen. It's just been a circle. (laughs) Okay, go on. So what have you got? You've got something that you once deemed too awful and now you're bringing it to us. Not today, Aww. maybe tomorrow when I do Creep to Creep. But today I have the story of Rasputin. Oh, yes. Oh, nice one. Also, yes. good, subtle plug for Creep to Creep, our new mini patron series. If you're not a patron, why the hell not? I just, in just now came back from a lovely little post office run of patrons, totes, heading out to our brand new patrons this week. Anya, Laura. Laura again two Laura's this week <laughs> how are you now, guys could there Harry? be a bit of tomfoolery going on with Laura just coming on twice for two totes <laughs> like setting up two completely different email addresses and street addresses <laughs> and like really fucking gaming the <laughs> shit out of those stupid yeah well bitches. maybe Laura can afford two houses she if she's getting her totes for free that's, that's how you key. get there rich people don't give it away for nothing you can't get anything out of rich people. Other than a vaccine. That's if it. you're teaching their child. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I have that's what I have. What Rasputin. do you what do you Love what do you girls bring into the I have my tale of the worst roommate apartment guy. Finally. Unless yes. it's really long. So Excellent. All right, buckle just, in. Just, All right. Yeah. We kick off then. Strap Let's in, you put on your seatbelts, as Jen would say. It's going to be strap in, strap in get buckled. going. I don't know why I just buckle snapped up. my own bra strap a couple of times. <laughs> Feel That's secure. my safety measure. My personal uh, airbags are secured. Exactly right. So I'm going to tell you the story. Imagine um, if your tits did kill you in a car crash. They probably they could. Well, actually, mine would. My implants. own tits. 100% straight on to Google there definitely is a woman there's I don't know if there's a woman who's been killed by her own tits but in chat magazine there was a woman who found her cat between her breasts dead <laughs> dead <laughs> oh guys really I mean I'm pretty, I know what I'm, my creep to creep is next week I am uh, <laughs> guys it's really come up it's really come good <laughs> there's got to be like an exploding tit there's there's got to be suffocating with tits and there's got to be the dead cat suffocation with in, in the kit there in is the tit. so many good ones so do subscribe now for your own month and you can hear how people have died at their own breasts i'm just at the hands of their own breasts imagine, imagine your breasts all your hands. breasts had hands next google breasts with hands <laughs> They just be slapping everyone back the whole time, playing bongos on your kid's head. <laughs> <laughs> My breath anyway, so long they could strangle someone. I'd say, gorgeous, gorgeous. That's what happens, Kaz. Good for everyone to know. Clutching onto my tiny titties here. Just enjoying grasp them. Grasp your titties. Right, buckle up, put on your seatbelts, grasp your titties. I'm going to tell you the story. Of a man known as Jed Creek. So a lot of this story comes from a really brilliant long read on the New York magazine by a journalist called William Brennan. Very Irish name, isn't it? Willie Brennan. I was going to say it sounds like one of our own. Um, so 
This was relevant when I started researching it because there was that great story in the cut about a terrible roommate and a woman being locked up during COVID with this roommate who was essentially pushed her into a single room and I started looking That's at right. I thought that's what this story was. No, this is a different one. This one is fucking wild. And um I just wanted to explore situations where people were living with someone and it was bad. So um <laughs> just just talk to me actually yes we're right here we had some great we've actually another plug for the patron that's going to annoy people is we had that great roommate story ages ago on the creep hive that someone sent in from the fuck me that was amazing I can still smell that story. Oh, yeah. I can smell that drawer. Fuck. What was know. it? What was the the episode? It's one of the early creep hives, anyway. Uh, and it's tampon. A, a tampon. Something you'll find it. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant, horrendous, but brilliant creep. So, in March 2017, a girl called Alex Miller put her spare room up on Craigslist. She was living in Philadelphia at the time, right? And two weeks later, she got a man who identified himself as Jed Creek, saying that he was a lawyer from New York. But he had actually grown up outside Philadelphia, only a few minutes from where the apartment was in a place called Chestnut Hill. Jed explained to Alex Miller that he needed a place to stay while he tended to family matters. His mother was old and frail and his brother was suffering from complications due to hepatitis C. And he was looking for a place and hadn't had much luck finding somewhere. So Jed was an elder gentleman. He was tall and slim. And uh, even though he was in his 60s, He's, he said to have looked as if he was in his mid to late 40s. And when he came to visit the apartment, he brought along... Love that for Jed. Yeah, good Jed. Yeah. I um, wonder what like his kind of wellness sort of regime was. I didn't, didn't um, look into that. Do you know that. what he probably did, which I don't do, is Double ingest cleanse. beverages that aren't Diet Coke and coffee. That's yeah. probably it. hydration. Key, key. Um, so... When he went to visit the apartment and went to meet Alex Miller, he brought along his lovely 13-year-old border collie mix called Zachary, who got on really well with Alex's black Labrador, Cosmo. So, to Alex was like everything has fallen into place. Jed seems like a really sound lad. And she was dealing with a sudden departure of a former roommate and dealing with the extra financial pressure of having the spare room. So she was working part time um, she was working part time at a juice bar and then also part time at a law firm. So she just really needed someone in. She couldn't afford the rent all, her, all on her own. And here comes along this nice, quiet, elderly gentleman who uh, had a lovely dog and an experienced lawyer. So it all seemed to be I mean, going really well. It's all fallen into place. Absolutely. Uh, at the end of the tour of the apartment, they sat down on the couch together and fell into conversation. Jed said that he enjoyed meditation. Alex told him about a recent uh, romantic troubles and a breakup and he offered her some sage advice and they bonded really well. And so Jed said, look, I'll take the place uh, and I can actually take the place immediately if that helps. And he said that he'd pay the deposit on the spot. I mean, this very seems, eager. That's a red flag. Well, this seemed unusual in the in the in the New York in the New Yorker magazine, but or the New York magazine. But I was like, sure, isn't that normal for Dublin? I remember once going to to view a flat for five minutes, coming out, there being a queue outside. And the guy who was offering it was like, if you run around now and take out a large sum of cash, 
I can guarantee can this is yours. And he held Remember the key bringing, back yeah, as we did you it. Can bring, people bring the deposit in cash to the viewings. Mm. For a while there, they were hold, bringing um, holding deposits, like a large, just walking around with large sums of cash that weren't quite as high as the deposit. Um, so anyway, he said that he'd take it on the spot, pulled out a checkbook and made out a check for $800. Alex noticed that the upper left corner of the check was blank. That's the space where his name and address should have been. And instead of writing in where he was currently staying, he wrote down he wrote the address of address. the current apartment. <gasps> he didn't write his name. He just did a messy kind of signature. Um, and uh, went off then in an Uber saying he was going to gather his stuff and would return later that evening to move in. Very Alex, quick. Very, very quick, right? But, I mean, he said that he had difficulty finding somewhere. For all Alex knew, he was, like, maybe staying in a hotel or something and wanted to get out and not pay the extra night or whatever. So, yeah. um, Alex asked if he needed any furniture. He said, no, I have everything he I need. So, he returned later that night with some weird bits, including another animal, a cat called Abigail. And for a bed, instead of having a bed, he just had a load of different blankets and duvets on the floor. Um, and Alex started getting a little concerned and was like, maybe someone who has these, you know, who lives like this doesn't, isn't actually yeah, a, a functioning lawyer or have much money. But she went to the bank, deposited the check and it cleared immediately. So... For the first while, all was well. Like, it was all grand. He got up early in so the morning. So did he build a nest? I was about to say, he sounds like he a built like a, He built, like, um, <laughs> just a rake of blankets on the Ali, floor. you're living with a hamster. That sounds disgusting. Listen. I'd say it was crusty. Yeah. Oh, I'd say those hoodie. blankets were never washed. Hoodie and jeans. <laughs> Do you remember the he hamster? He did that old that owl body owner. Yes. <laughs> so excruciatingly slowly. Yeah, do you remember who cannibalized the owner and like started hoarding bits of her in that weird little drawer? <laughs> Dragging it into its den. Again, if you don't know what we're talking about, why don't you join the Patreon? <laughs> so Everyone's foraging on fifteen seconds. We've actually <clears throat> we've actually lost our main audience. Okay, gone. Ali It's exclusively you're living on with a Patreon. hamster. What are you doing, hon? You so need to get out of there, react. right? But guys, it was all going well. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> Jed used to get up early in the morning, take the dog for a run, uh, look after his pets. He spoke to Zachary in Dutch, which he said he'd learned while he was in the Netherlands in the 80s. And he fed the animals really well. He looked after them, you know, okay. really well. Uh, Alex and Jed also got on and they spent nights together on the couch drinking wine and watching the Rachel Maddow show which is one of Jed's favorites. Right. He was also really, good. yeah, also really useful to have around in the house because one night Alex had an old, um, an old boyfriend over and he was refusing to leave and Jed left his room and basically came into the <laughs> living room together and was like, mate, fuck off. Hamsters can sorry, be I just very intimidating. Coming out of the nest. Do you remember the way, did everyone have hamster? Do you remember the way they used to kind of come up out of all the fluff? Cheeks yeah. full of garbage. <laughs> oh, I'll just unpack right here. I've brought all my stuff already. And he begins to unpack his cheeks. <laughs> Little bits of lettuce everywhere. Um, so Alex got on really well with him. But then it all kind of went 
uh, started going downhill when on the 5th of April, which was their 11th day of living together, Alex showed Jed utility bills and asked for his half of a bill that was $140. But Jed refused, saying that the bills partially covered a period before he moved in. And <laughs> I feel like every single person's had this conversation. Yeah, but when Alex was like, well, you know, you ha- you you pay for the month or whatever, he texts back saying, we can handle this in court if you'd prefer. <gasps> so he's in the other room. like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like a lot of this is texting from the other room. It's proper, proper tense. So um, Alex grew concerned and was like, oh, I'm not going to go to court with this man. And she. We're friends. Yeah, and she just second-guessed herself and was like, oh, he's right, maybe he shouldn't pay bills in his first month here. So uh, strange things started happening in the apartment. One one day, Alex came home and found that all of the lights wouldn't turn on because Jed had taken the light bulbs and screwed them into his own personal lamps. So he'd taken the light bulbs. <laughs> how many fucking lamps did he have I don't know. But I mean, how Again, many light bulbs do you have? Just picturing a hamster changing a light bulb is... <laughs> How many hamsters does it take to screw in a light bulb? Um, So he, yeah, he took them from their common areas and put them into his bedroom. And then a few days later, six dining chairs had disappeared. (coughs) When Alex went to Jed's door, she opened and saw that he had arranged them into a desk in his room and was using them as like his workstation. Okay. So, uh, Alex thought that Jed spent his days obviously at work. This is 2017 pre-lockdown when we could leave (coughs) houses and stuff and assumed that he was out in court during the day operating as a lawyer. But neighbours said that they saw him hanging around the property throughout the afternoon. But he, when he was chatting to Alex, he used to talk in all this legal jargon. And when they argued, he used to say that she was breaking the covenant of a quiet enjoyment, which... um, Alex recognized from her days working in a real estate agent. When he found a cigarette butt one day in the toilet bowl one afternoon, he told her that he would not be paying the rent for that month because he sh- it, it was against the warranty of habituality and <laughs> she was breaking the rules by having <clears throat> a cigarette butt in the toilet. Oh, there is so, just no talking to this person. That's amazing. It's such an amazing... A kind of offensive act to just like riddle me this in bullshit jargon until the other person exactly. just kind of like goes okay I'll cover this month's rent again yeah so like I don't want to press this because this guy obviously knows what he's talking about he's a lawyer and he's you know talking the good talk so um Alex started telling her mother about the situation with Jed and Alex's mother asked his daughter, asked for her his phone number and then put it into Google. And then she called and she was like, we have a really big problem. Jed Creek is not who he says he is. So Jed's... What a surprise. I know, shocking. Jed's actual name was Jemison Bachman. In 2012... Wow, which sounds even more made up. I know. Yeah, I know. It? In 2012, Jemison had shown up at the hope, home of a woman called Melissa Frost, claiming to be a New Yorker whose home had been destroyed in hurricanes. Um, Overcome with pity, Melissa had let him in and nearly lost her house over it. It was an expensive and frightening ordeal that dragged on for months and months and months in the courts. 
Jemison slowly laid claim to the space using his intricate knowledge of tenancy laws to stay one step ahead of her. He marked the floors, he kicked down doors, he clogged the toilets with cat litter. Um, Yes, this is one of his favorite moves to clog the toilets with cat litter. It's so annoying. It's a death death by a thousand irritants. And at one point, but at one point he turned around to her and he was like, this is my house now. So it became very evident that Jemison was actually a serial squatter and he had sort of gained this reputation for driving roommate after roommate into court and pushing them out of the property. But it was weird in that like he didn't really seem, you know, not like a traditional squatter who wants to live somewhere rent free. He kind of would move in, pay the rent for a while, but just seemed to really enjoy pushing people out of their homes and being a dickhead. Um, so it was not his his objective was not really material gain, but like the sadistic pleasure of watching people squirm in court. Fascinating. Oh my god! Yeah. So like patterns emerged. He would usually turn up at the home with someone saying some emergency had pushed him to their doorstep and he had nowhere to spend the night, and then him and his pets would be wandering the streets. So for Melissa, the story was the hurricane. And for Alex, it was sickly relatives in need of Jemison's aid. But for others, it was stories like an alcoholic roommate had become too much and he needed to leave. Then a sudden change in employment or um, some other emergency, broken up relationships, all that kind of stuff. So he would often come (laughs) along talking about his high legal education, saying that he studied at Georgetown University and the University of Miami, where he so he studied history in Georgetown and then the University of Miami is where he got his law degree. And no he would tell to Miami, but I just feel like it's really hard to take Miami University seriously. Yeah, I've never even it's like a party. Come across just like, yeah, I just imagine everyone in Hawaiian shirts and yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So he, you know, to everyone he met and moved in with, he was explained that he made his living doing litigation and tutoring. Um, tutoring online so he would promise everyone that he was clean and respectful and required nothing more than a quiet room and fast internet connection so a lot of people took pity on him and allowed him to move in but there was a couple of other times where he came across people who they themselves were pretty desperate to have a roommate so like with Alex people who needed someone else to help cover the bills and the other half the rent which is the story for a woman called Sonia who was a 49 year old vet tech from Brooklyn and um, she, Jemison moved in with her in Queens in the spring of 2012. She was really struggling to manage her mortgage payments on the house. She and um, Jemison moved in and was paying $1,400 a month. Wow. Yeah. So she says the first three months were absolutely perfect. Uh, they would often have breakfast together. They would, you know, talk about little things. They bonded over their pets. Yeah, they had a really good time. And at the start, it even seemed like they were um, budding friends. There was one time when one of Sonia's cats had passed away. And when she returned to the vet, Jemison was there, consoled her and was like, I'm so sorry, pulled her into a hug. And she was kind of glad, glad to have the company as well. Um, And she said that he was very respectful. But... uh, in many cases where he was living with roommates, the roommates would start to notice weird things happening in the apartment um, <clears throat> things being removed, bookshelves being emptied and filled up with his books. Um, 
things, furniture <laughs> moved around. It's so subtle and so weird. So weird, isn't it? Um, and that he would like go into people's rooms and stuff like that. So Sonia started suspecting that he was going into her room while she was out at work. And one time she placed an empty wine bottle behind her bedroom door so that anyone would go in and knock it over. When she returned, she opened the door and without thinking, anticipated the bottle would fall over only to find that it had been moved ages away from the door so Confirmed, like he yeah. wasn't even Although trying to hide in that yeah he wasn't even trying to hide that um it was that he was um going in and sneaking around people's rooms another roommate a, a composer called michael said that he used to do really weird things like um every time he would have a shower he would pick up this is just so classic like tense roommate things he would pick up the bath mat and throw it into the corner and never put it back to the point that michael became so frustrated he ducked he ducked taped the mat down to the floor (laughs) and underneath it wrote a note saying why question mark (laughs) that is just so relatable yeah oh my god amazing so generally what jemison would do was that he would turn up at the home he would pay the first and second month's rent and then you know from there would start refusing or finding reasons why he wasn't going to pay the rent it could be anything a dirty living room a dishes left in the sink anything he said that voided their agreement of living together um and it just always from there became like really passive aggressive and really uh kind of dangerous there was one so with melissa frost he um unplugged her microwave and brought it sorry he had a microwave that he kept in their shared space and she was getting so frustrated with being left on the counter that she unplugged it and brought it up to his room trying to tell him that you can't keep a microwave in the common areas and he held on to the microwave and kind of pushed her to the point where he was pushing her down the stairs until someone intervened and stopped him so, so he, he so his preferred method is death by tiny cuts, but he will, if pushed, push back, do push down back. the stairs. Yeah, I love correct. that he really, really wanted to keep his microwave in communal areas. Like I am picturing the toilet. Yeah, I think Michael's the kind of guy who needs to do a quick box of McCain oven chips while shitting. Yeah. <laughs> Like so, bagel bites in the bath. Mm, heaven. Yeah. Early that 90s tin foil heaven. plate. I, why did they discontinue those? I just fucking They came back them. for a time. I haven't seen them ever. And when I was in New York three years ago, my first port of call was the frozen section of the local store to see if they were there. Any joy? Not, not the same. Not the same. same. Never, they never are. Anyway, then what happened? Um, so Michael, or sorry, Jemison did have legal training. He had spent some time abroad and he did get his law degree at the age of 45. And his instructors at Georgetown and the University of Miami said that he was a remarkable student with extraordinary talents. Yeah. And he was, you know, um, one of his one of his lecturers actually said in my 20 years of university teaching i have encountered very few people of his caliber why so he really did understand the law and he did study study yeah um so interesting but in 2003 he failed the bar exam in his first try try and never bothered to take it again um 
And it, from there on, it seemed that his only legal skills were limited to his one client, which was himself, because he would continuously just represent himself in court. So he spent all of his time getting into these exhaustive <clears throat> situations with roommates and fighting against them legally in courts using weird legal loopholes and um but he would even in court when he was representing himself he often did himself no favors by undercutting his own arguments with jibes and snide remarks um which just made him come across about, like a real what bully. What does that mean? About himself? No, or, about, oh, sorry, but like about. he just wasn't, he wasn't arguing in a kind of legal manner. He would present his argument, his legal argument, and then he would say something shitty about the other person. And the judge would be like, look, you obviously, you can't say that. Um, contempt. So, Holding him, him in contempt. Yeah. Is that the correct? I think yes. so. Um so in in often in these court battles the judge would hear things about his tendency to clog up the roommate's toilets with cat litter um <laughs> yeah and his defense at that stage was like correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding that the proper place for shit is in a toilet so um there was low take bullshit yeah but he started to kind of derail and get more and more weird so in 2015 he was in a court case against a woman called jill weatherford who was a south carolina realtor who had multiple tenants tenants who were having issue with jemison so they had she had never actually met jemison um but he showed up into court sweat drenched because he decided to walk from walk to the courthouse um he he then compiled a list of her former tenants and began rattling off names and accused Jill of being a slumlord. And Jill was just like, I have never met this man before in my life. I've been doing this for 33 years and none of this is true. Uh, so the judge eventually, the ju- in, ju- in most cases, the judge would be like, you're an absolute idiot. And in the case against Melissa Frost, uh, when he brought he brought melissa frost to court for damaging his property the judge was like i just don't believe a word you say and frankly i find you frightening so um in most instances in court the jemison would claim self-defense uh and for any issues that he was coming across um he there's loads of other different stories of, of specifics of him living with different roommates. But basically, one of the most significant ones and one that led bef- before he was living with Alex Miller was he, he moved in with a woman called Arlene in Queens. And uh, she allowed him to move in in 2006 after his eviction from the school. So prior to that, he had gotten a job in um, New Rochdale and the headmaster had actually supplied him with accommodation but his behavior was so weird and bizarre in the in both the school and the accommodation that his contract wasn't renewed what was he doing <coughs> that the same He's just, level just the same level and probably blocking up toilets and all that kind of stuff <laughs> uh, and he was not paying his rent so he was withholding his rent whenever he had an issue with it so the headmaster didn't renew his contract and he wasn't allowed to continue living in the place so it's actually a fucking nightmare to imagine living with somebody in that way yeah oh my god he oh, just yeah. sounds like but it gets it just gets worse and worse right so uh when he was he went on then to live with arlene and it was interesting because at the time she took him in 
Arlene and Jameson were casually dating and she was living in a beautiful little apartment in Richmond Hill. So Lovely area. Yeah. And she made him guarantee that he'd stay no longer than two months. She was kind of like bridging the gap between him losing his accommodation. They were casually dating. She's like, you can stay with me for a little while. Get yourself sorted till you find somewhere else. Um, but she said two months became six, six months became a year and one year became four. So he never paid a month's rent. And she was, but she was trapped by her own conscience. She knew that if, uh, if she moved out, she'd be leaving Jemison with yeah her landlord. And she really, you know, she got him really well. She liked, she liked her landlord, but she also really liked her property. And this is the situation that like, he would often uh, people didn't want to leave their apartments that they had been settled in so tensions were rising and more than four years after Jemison had moved in Arlene opened up the bills and just completely lost it and turned to him and was like pay me some fucking money pay for some of the bills and Jemison said that he wouldn't he said I'm not a violent person but he grabbed her by the throat throat uh, and she slapped him um yeah so although they ended up living in though they were still living in the same home they then acquired protection orders against each other which legally required them to be a hundred yards apart at all times oh my god yeah so they were both in breach of it all the time yeah so the only way to do it was arlene petitioned for his eviction from the the apartment but when Jemison learned that she'd done he retaliated filing a police report that claimed she'd come at him with a knife and persuaded the police to arrest her Arlene was forbidden to go near the apartment which meant Jemison now had full possession of her home and then he began taking her cats and donating them to different shelters (laughs) oh my god that's unbelievably bad like mixing them all bringing them to shelters far away that she would never find yeah that's terrible yeah then there's other cases in 2015 and 2017 of him turning up at people's places to move in having sent like fake pictures of him before he arrived so then when they arrived at the apartment they were all like who are you so a lot of the problems seem to stem back to jemison's childhood so when he was younger his parents and like all his teachers and stuff thought he was going to be absolutely sensationally brilliant um so he he was was so bright yeah he was really bright uh he was raised in philadelphia his father owned a construction company his mother was a stay-at-home mom and his brother harry who's four years older than jemison was a multi-talented varsity soccer star oh unbearable yeah so the only way he could go was really weird in the face of all that you know high achieving brother bullshit yeah, but he he himself was high achieving, but he was described as being incredibly self-confident. He was one of the cockiest kids you'd ever met, said one of his friends, Bob Friedman. Hateable. Um, so, like narcissist levels. Yeah, of yeah. So self-belief. like Jemison had no doubts about his own abilities. He did earn high marks. He excelled at tennis and he spent his free time devouring books on history of Western civilization. So of all the things to excel at. Tennis has to be one of the lamest. Yeah, isn't it? But it's no kind way. of I it's love classy. A bit of tennis. Yeah, that's it. Exactly, Sos. You love a bit. <laughs> yeah. You can have too Fair much enough. tennis. Fair enough. Yeah. It's like Pims. Ugh. Pims and tennis and the Royals. Fucking garden in my drink. No. Yes. Um, get out. So 
it was suspected that he would do really, really well. But uh, and when he was younger, his friend Bob said that he used to be obsessed with like winning and playing these games and would like force them to play these like ridiculous long board games. And he was just really weird and competitive. Oh, he um, sounds like the worst person in your class. Yeah. Yeah. So Fucking when it hell. turned out that his brother, uh, his brother, Harry, turned out to really be the star and um do really really well in life and uh Jemison just could never accept this even though his parents like doted on him they you know they really bigged him up they were like you're always you know you're great you're the best that was um, their mistake yeah, yeah. filled yeah. him with bullshit so Jemison really idolized his grandfather Abraham Levy who was an attorney in the in in Philadelphia he had co-founded a criminal defense firm with Samuel Dash. He was chief counsel at the Senate Watergate Commission in 1973. He was like a fixture of the local papers. He was just a really well-respected attorney. So Jemison boasted throughout his youth of his grandfather's success to anyone who'd listen. And, um, you know, said that his passion for law extended back to his childhood, where my grandfather started talking to me, taking me to his murder trials when I was just a boy. Oh, he was talking to us when he was just a tot. So like everything could have probably gone completely fine for Jemison. Um, But in the fall of 1975, when he was at university in Tulane, he was involved in an incident that was like completely traumatic. So uh, there was an incident in a house, in a frat house called Sigma Chi. And even though Jemison was not a member of the frat house, he was... Um, hanging around with he was hanging around there with a friend from home a boy named Ken and then suddenly out of nowhere someone ran up and slashed Ken's throat <gasps> yeah Jemison described it uh, described it as Ken was beheaded he described Ken as being beheaded and um, obviously witnessing someone being fucking murdered is ridiculous but it turns out that the um the Ken was killed by a 25-year-old student librarian called Randall, who had been arguing, they were feuding because Ken had called the campus police on Randall because he was eating a cheese sandwich in the library. <laughs> and I know this sounds ridiculous. Oh my God, I take it all back. Ken, come on. Fuck you, Ken. Right? Like, so uh, it, it was... me. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You know that person? Just yes. that. Jesus. Randall. Randall. Awful. But um so when no, Jemison no went home lose their head over a cheese sandwich, but still Hello. But who doesn't love having a cheese sandwich as they browse through a few books? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so if he was a less masticator then mm, yeah, maybe yeah. I am with Randall. Combine a Montour I mean with a loud mastication. And then you have a recipe for disaster. Mm. Very claggy, the Montour. And the smell. <laughs> that's the smell. Remember, I had one. It puts the ass in mastication. Remember that time? We were on holidays. Bought a Montour, stuffed it in the boot of my Ugg. We did an overnight in this hotel in Geneva on the way home. And uh, decided then that the, 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 the sewage was, I decided the smell of sewage coming up from the shower was unbelievable. Headed down to bloody Nora. Get out of here, kid. I'm in the middle of a record. Anyway, made them switch hotel rooms. It was a fucking old boot full of cheese. <laughs> unbelievable. 
song. <laughs> Cut that whole thing that out. Don't was so, no, that was perfect. So perfect. This tiny little gen just popped in. Just naked as a jaybird. It was beautiful. Um, little gen head on her. We have matching anyway, we've Sorry. digressed. We've digressed. Right. We're right. just right at we were right at the beheading and then we started talking about cheese in a boot. Okay. <laughs> so when Jemison there's still so much more to the story, Reed's stick with me. Than a head and a boot. Unbelievable. So when Jemison returned home that summer in nineteen seventy six, his family and friends found him really paranoid. Uh he started talking about things like the riding tide of anti Semitism and the threats to the state of Israel. Uh, close friends worried about him uh, and thought that he was like near a, a mental breaking point. Um, but he spent the summer getting high uh, and then he kind of dropped off and went on and just kind of lost touch with a lot of his friends. So Bob, the friend who had been interviewed for this um, in the investigation in this piece, said that he didn't see him for 20 years. And then one day when Bob was living in D.C. Jemison called him completely out of the blue uh, and they met up at a bookstore. Didn't need any cheese sandwiches. And Bob says it was like finding a long lost brother. They got very close very quickly. Jemison said that he'd been living abroad. This sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, had, uh. he'd been living abroad in Israel where he had served in the Israeli, Israeli Defense Forces uh, that he'd fallen in love then with a Dutch woman and followed her home. In the Netherlands, he had studied Japanese at a school and um, shortly after that, he had moved back to the States. After Jemison, so the relationship broke down and Jemison moved back to the States. Uh, so Bob invited Jemison round to his family home, introduced him to his wife, and he said he was a well-behaved, great guest. Um, though after a while, apparently Jemison started to make Bob's wife feel a little uncomfortable. Hmm. So, uh, because because <laughs> Jemison had just mm, because Jemison had just moved back to the states, he said that he was working as a freelance journalist uh, and that he'd been doing a little bit of. He was doing a little bit of kind of like copy editing and stuff like that, but he was looking for work. And Bob had launched an internationally re- renowned barbecue restaurant <laughs> called Red Hot and Blue and offered Jemison a job managing one of his restaurants. But on the day that Jemison was due to start, he turned up wearing his full suit and tie and told the staff that he had been hired as a consultant and he was there to... Um, turn the business around so (laughs) obviously yeah uh so bob stepped in fired jemison said it wasn't going to work out and uh he said then later in the interview that it just became very clear that jemison was really jealous that he had turned out well and and that he had been the one to have been successful he had a lovely wife wonderful children uh he was playing tennis so uh so if you think Jemison was jealous of his friend Bob, the jealousy he harbored for his brother Harry was insanity. So Harry had had gotten a degree in architecture. He had married a psychologist from Paris. They had two daughters. They had a beautiful home and they had moved back to Elkins Park, which is where they were from. It was like a okay, suburban... They sound unbearable. Yeah, but like... Yeah. They just, they worked, they worked, they got their jobs, they had their little life, they were looking after themselves, right? 
Um, so when Jemison spoke to his family to uh, spoke about his family to his roommates, it was offered often with resentment. He uh, said that his parents treated his brother better and that he didn't. He wasn't given every opportunity to succeed in adulthood because they preferred his brother. Um, they he gave out that his father, Jim, had paid for Harry's college education, but refused to do the same for Jemison when he wanted to go back to school at the age of 40. So um, <laughs> Jemison said that this was just unforgivable favoritism and had ruined his life. Oh uh, my God. If my 40 year old son asks me for fucking bus fare, I'm going to be like. Yeah, it was so bad to the point that when Jemison's father was dying of cancer, Jemis in the in the mid aughts, Jemison decided not to go to the funeral and said he had no regrets about it. <laughs> and he's uh, a prick. Yeah, no and several regrets. several of his roommates said that he had a huge hatred for his mother. Uh, you know, he said that I didn't have a mother after the age of eight because I had a mind of my own and she didn't like that. Um, and said that since since that age they had their relationship had been fractured. I have a mind hmm. of my own, but you must pay for my education at the age of 40. Exactly. For, <laughs> Fuck you, mom and mind. dad. Yeah. So by the time he landed in back to 2017, by the time he moved into Alex Miller's home, the only okay. real friends or acquaintances he had in his life were his pets, Zachary and Abigail, who he called his children. So a few after we're back in Alex Miller's apartment, they Alex Miller's mother has discovered that Jemison is Jemison Backman and not Jed Creek, as he says. Mm. So they start pursuing, they start going along the process of trying to remove him from the apartment. At which Jemison was saying that he would take them to court and, um, you know, they could fight it out in, in, in court or whatever. But Jesus. they decided on a plan right so they knew that Jemison was tutoring online in the evenings and that was his main source of income so on the 1st of May Alex decided to invite over a rake of friends and have a big party described as a send-off for the serial squatter Jemison Backman <laughs> so she knew that he was just as he was about to start his tutoring sessions they came in they started the party seven o'clock prime time they had mixed drinks cocktails with Jemison whiskey and <laughs> blasted music rap music which Jemison hated from his stereo uh, she went online and she printed off photos of his old roommates uh, to psychologically fuck with him and taped them up in the nice. bathroom <laughs> to really like to let him know that she, she that knew about his gonna play as dirty as he's gonna play yeah go so Ali. they all they all stood around the room shouting at his computer and around 11 o'clock shouting at his computer because he was trying to tutor people and shouting oh, at him behind his computer. So uh, at around in retaliation at 11 o'clock, Jemison emerged from his room and dumped a box of cat litter down the toilet. Then he oh, huffed. That's yeah. classic. Yeah. So then they, uh, he left the apartment then, took his books and went out for a walk or whatever and then to piss him off even further one of the guys at the party took the bedroom door handle off, off. the door so nice so as the party began to wind down friends were like alex come stay with us 
but yeah, she um, can't fucking stay there that night. But she refused. Alone yeah, she's she she um refused and said that she'd be fine. So before dawn the following morning, she heard Jemison rise unusually early and leave the apartment, and she was like, "Oh, fine, he's gone. Uh, I can get up and go to work and go about my day or whatever." But as she crossed the hall to the bathroom and was brushing her teeth. She heard the front door open and Jemison barreled down the hallway with a fist, slammed the bathroom door open and pushed her against the wall, put his hand on her throat. And when she screamed, but when she screamed, he retreated. She followed him into his bedroom. Standing in the doorway, she shouted, who the fuck do you think you are? He sat down on his on his quilts. Yes. <laughs> and um, dicing the cat, but he was preparing food for the cat and using a knife. So he had a knife in his hand. He leans against the door to shut it. And as she pulled back, her leg got stuck between the door and the frame. You've made a grave mistake, Jemison said, and jabbed the knife towards her. It sliced Fuck. her thigh open. So blood <gasps> smeared the door. Uh, and when uh, when it was wide enough to kick it open, she ran inside a room to hide. So two police officers, she called the police, obviously, and two police officers arrived over. And when they arrived there, Jemison was cooperative and pleasant and apologetic. But when they saw the depth of the cut, they arrested him. Yes. Uh, for aggravated assault. And he was sent off to jail and Alex got a protection order. So Jemison was gone. Uh, Alex was there looking after the poor little cat. Zachary was wandering the house aimlessly. But they found a nice home for him to go off to and live to in the suburbs um there was so loads was jemison gone jemison was arrested and gone show but there was a protection order in place so he couldn't go back to the apartment anyway okay. uh, so when alex was behind clearing out his room she found pages and pages of court filings against previous roommates uh so her and her mother tracked down the other victims but in the back of his closet she came across a blue box a cleaning kit for a pistol and a box of bullets <gasps> so they turned the house upside down looking for the gun they couldn't find it they looked in the air conditions they rented a metal detector to try and find it but the gun was nowhere to be found terrifying right so um, the only person that Jemison could turn to to bail him out of jail was his brother Harry and his wife Caroline and they had uh, taken him so on the, sorry they had taken him into their house previously but knew how difficult he was so they were reluctant to do that but on the 17th of june harry did bail him out of jail no. yeah so harry, i don't know where no. he went i don't know where he went he didn't go back to house them but they bailed him out of jail oh. anyway right and then a couple of weeks later alex and her mother arranged to meet jameson to give him back his belongings because he was harassing them whatever so that was all fine on the morning of the exchange jameson um, they met at a police station and Jemison stood outside the police station. He began filming them uh, and narrating their arrival. But police were there to observe the handover of the equipment or whatever. So they handed him all of stuff back in the Rubbermaid bins. But he became enraged when he realized that Zachary wasn't there, the dog, and that she oh had been sent God. to live with the woman in the suburbs as the judge had permitted and uh, agreed to. Um, as the Millers then left the station, Jemison pulled down up alongside them in a car and rolled down his window saying, you're dead, bitch, before speeding oh. off, but violated the protection order in doing so. So he was re-arrested. Yeah. So imprisoned again, Jemison started to go frantic about his cat, which he'd left behind in an Airbnb after his arrest. 
He called Harry to get him bailed out so that he could get back to the cat. But the cat had been taken into an animal shelter while he was in jail. So he was really, really pissed off at this stage. But on the October 28th, Harry bailed him out again for a second time, but said that there was absolutely no way that he could no. come to their house. And Harry or Jemison was asking Harry, could he come over and stay in the house? But Harry kept refusing. So at the time, Caroline was out of town to see their new grandchild with plans for Harry to follow her the following week. Uh, and knowing that Jemison was being bailed out and released from jail, Caroline actually asked Harry to go stay somewhere else because she knew how difficult Jemison could be um, and was worried that he would turn up and make an appearance at the house. And he did. Shortly before seven o'clock in the evening, the 3rd of November, Harry was on his way home and he pulled up in uh, his Ford Escape and saw Harry outside the house. He texts Caroline then saying, guess who showed up as I drove in? So Harry had been due to arrive in upstate New York later that night, but he never made it. So Caroline oh, called the police and an officer went to canvas the home. At first seeing that the Ford Escape was gone, assuming that Harry had left. But when they returned later that day, they noticed a trail of blood leading from the sidewalk to the front door. And when they entered the home, they found the dining no, room was blood Harry. splattered. A fresh hole had been made in the wall and shards of shattered serving dish littered the floor. They followed the body drag marks to the basement door, oh, which Jesus. had been blocked by a box. And there they found it, the body of Harry Backman. Oh, you oh fucking asshole, oh. Jameson. So you later, unbelievable asshole. Incredible, incredible, right? So the Jesus. police discovered the Still Ford Escape at a hotel up the road and bloody towels inside the car. Jemison had checked into the hotel the night before under the name Harry G. Jemison. Around 10.30, yeah, a SWAT team broke down the door and uh, they... They said they found him and he was they arrested him without incident. But an affidavit later claimed that the SWAT team, when the SWAT team entered the room, he was swinging an axe at them. <gasps> anyway, they brought him into court. They brought him into custody and he was uh, taken into to jail. And there was a date set for his hearing on December 11th. But um, the court case could never happen because a few days prior in early December Jemison hung himself in his cell Jesus fucking Christ what an unbelievable oh asshole. my god yeah and when asked in the interview so this uh, when William William uh, Brennan was doing the piece he went back and he interviewed all the former roommates and at first they felt like a lot of them felt really guilty and they were like you know I can't believe he killed his brother and he'd nowhere else to stay but like then Alex Miller was like no I don't feel I do feel guilty but like there's also a massive sense of relief because we still never found that gun that he had and obviously he was someone who yeah. was capable of doing horrendous things so she later moved into a new apartment with a friend of hers what for unbelievable hell. story like how many like this guy didn't have a single friend in, you know what I mean he literally tortured everybody he fucking knew. All his parents, both his parents, his brother, every single fucking... Oh, do you know what's most interesting about it? That period of time that the roommate thought they were friends. Yeah. So that yeah. showed... And semi-dating. Well, that's it. He had the ability to sort of create a... Re absolutely frightening. 
that is it's so Cassie, weird that was worth the wait i just don't Wild, think that was it? going to murder that far i no. think I'd, I'd gotten comfortable in his like low grade irritation assault and mm. was like this is hilarious grand ha ha no, and no. then like what what warning Harry? red flags everywhere no. fucking asshole that is a Cassie, wild thank you. story that was brilliant. very welcome and now you've gifted me with a creep to creep topic Rasputin gorgeous lads it's been a joy thank you for listening thank you patrons for patronising must we tell you again but we will there's so much there for you if you haven't done it by now you've so much good shit to walk around the place listening to do you know watching before we go i do have one little uh fun uh jingle oh oh yeah do we want to hear now or we save it for next week hell hell yeah okay we let it take us out will we okay sounds fucking deadly this is coming from a creep who has uh in fairness uh smartly withheld their name (laughs) in fact they've set up a a gmail account to protect their own identity i am impressed by this on many levels so after being brilliantly inspired by maggie b's fabulously ethereal jingle i decided to chance my arm at a general intro jingle my vocals are extremely dodgy it's very choppy and i was in two minds about sending this but i hope it captures the chaotic creepy vibe well bit more about sharing this with you Hence the anonymity. And also in the age of extreme technological advancement, I'm a weirdly paranoid person in terms of privacy. Privacy, the joys. If it never sees the light of day, that's deadly. If you listen to it together and don't play it on the podcast, that's amazing. The main thing is I really hope you get a laugh out of it. Absolutely brilliant. There's also a very nice little note at the end. It's just for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like all the love letters I get into the office that I don't share with you guys. Nothing for me. Anywho, hope you stay well and safe. I'm just a teenage creep bag baby who listens to Creep Dive Weekly Baby is the sign off. I love it. Here we go. Are we ready to listen to our second jingle? Dive the creep dive the creep dive the creep dive. My mouth is so. I just my mouth doesn't go anymore wide open. That is absolutely fucking brilliant. Hang on one sec. Let me Do you know what was interesting feedback in. after oh, we Jesus. played the? Um, I've got a pretty strong theory of who that is, to be honest. I can't wait. Uh, do you know what? I it was interesting feedback after we included the jingle last week, which we will include again because it's a just a standard going forward now because it's beautiful and is very Anya. Um, a creep who I shall not name because I don't want her to 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 be on the receiving end of a lot of negative comments now. But a creep reached out to me and was like, "Oh, that jingle reminded me of the time when you guys used to to sing. Sing. That was awful." <laughs> and I was like, "Excuse me." excuse me no i'm sorry i'm really concerned of late for two separate reasons first of all getting a lot of negative feedback on my free birkenstocks secondly (gasps) a lot of friends don't like this i bought this lamp 
I'm going to send you, send to you guys in our WhatsApp group to get your opinion on now. I think it's really cool and everyone's like, wouldn't be for me. Uh, so I'm really concerned about like my personal tastes. I think that maybe there's something wrong with me that I think that, no. that our harmonies no. were beautiful. Well, that is incorrect. Um, so yes, they're, they're, that is worrying. But also nobody, the, the what do you think is of not this? to give a shit. Tell me what you think of this lamp immediately. Okay, first impressions, opening phone. Fuck it. Opening another thing. For Cassie. It's hideous. I've called it Hillary. There's something going wrong with you. I think there is. I think it's the gas. I think I spent too long. I spent too long in a house with carbon monoxide poisoning. I now have a lamp that looks like a chicken and furry Birkenstocks. I don't know who I am anymore. Cassie, I think we've lost Sophie as well. We have. We've lost me. We're all gone. That is an amazing jingle. Thank you so much to that unnamed person. Uh, Cassie, will you slice it in properly? I will, I will, I will. The The clarity of of editing. And we'll see you when we see you next week or for the Hive on Thursday. Bye! Bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.